There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code DTD when purchasing a pair of headphones. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to Wayne Campbell about the importance of the Black Panther and of black superheroes. Australia's Emma Louise has been making the rounds in her native country since the age of 15. This is the synth-soaked Freedom, which was chosen by listener Audrian Carubius.
Twain with the onset of the new Black Panther movie. What's more important, the fact that it's a landmark in that this is the first black superhero, so it's a landmark for comics, or is it a landmark for Hollywood and the film industry, that this is a blockbuster full of a black cast? I'd say that the first black superhero movie for me was Wesley Snipe as Blade back in the 90s. So it's interesting that people are thinking that, no, Blade kind of did it. And he didn't just do it once. There was a trilogy of, of films. And the first one was brilliant, in my opinion. Not sure if it came under the Marvel banner, but he definitely was a Marvel character. But surely the thing about Blade was he was a hero that, just happened to be black but the whole ensemble the whole premise had nothing to do with let's say specifically black themes black culture black society so that is the difference surely between the black panther and blade that with the black panther movie you have the whole setup this is um, an african superhero so the whole cast is black i get that and i suppose if blade's character was based in Africa, then you would have had that also. But I completely understand that with Black Panther being from Watanga and being the leader of a nation and having a, a whole country of, of um, people to look after and to defend and protect, you've got this, this great, huge cast. So for that, yeah, I wouldn't even say it's unique, again, because I don't know if I'm playing devil's advocate here, but... Um, you are. You're destroying the whole premise of the interview, mate. Now, stop it. What's more important? Is it the fact that this is the first black comic book hero and it's so it's great, it's emotional, it's symbolic for him to be on the screen? Or should we be saying that we've now reached a point whereby Hollywood, Disney of all people, can release a movie which has an overwhelmingly non-white cast, a black cast, but it's still a blockbuster, which is going to do maybe a billion dollars. I think it's probably very brave. No, maybe it's not brave of, of Disney to choose Black Panther as one of its latest blockbuster movie characters. I think the fact that Black Panther has been assimilated into the Marvel Universe in the way how it has been and, and, and the amount of money that's gone into this production is, is phenomenal so it's absolutely brilliant that they feel that the character warrants the investment that they've put into it is it going to be a great film I absolutely don't doubt that it's going to be a great film the cameo that we saw of Black Panther in Civil War was brilliant the film's going to be incredibly well received and I absolutely don't doubt that for Marvel this is a brilliant piece of business how important do you think it has been to the depiction of the characters in the Black Panther, that the director, that the writers were actually black? Could a, a white director, could white writers have been able to to tell the story as convincingly as Ryan Coogler has? I think cultural perspectives, which may definitely do help to kind of give a different shift on on how you tell a story i'm not disputing that someone like steven spielberg couldn't create an amazing film but there are life experiences these little bits that you pick up that through uh going to a black wedding or something that happens at church or, um, or just things that happen around the dinner table so i actually think that 
not just the director and the writer, but the the set designer, the music, and 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 all of those key departments were headed by black creatives. Really did help not just to shift in how a lot of people see the black creative dynamic, but this film, what I've seen, how spectacular it looks, and and how uniquely crafted the teams have come together to to make what we see on screen is is just incredible. And I think the director's done an amazing job in capturing not just um, Watanga, but the mood, the feel, and the vibe of the Black Panther. So. I think it's really, really helped. Mm. I've always been struck by if you see a Hollywood movie, there's a large budget, which is around the black experience, that Hollywood has only really been interested in depicting black people as either slaves, so whether it's 12 years a slave, and Mm -hmm. or fighting for civil rights. So you have something like Selma. Both of those two films are absolutely great. But if you have more than, let's say, three black people in a Hollywood movie, invariably, as I said, it's either slavery and or a civil rights. So this is a massive departure, isn't it? It takes a brave studio to decide to, to fight against the norm. And how easy would it have been for there to be another stereotypical black film, gangs, drugs, slavery, foes? civil rights kind of experiences so I don't think Marvel shies away from 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 making these bold decisions I mean I do kind of really applaud the fact that Marvel don't just stick to script and and work on characters that are popular just in the comics let's go back give us a bit of a potted history Wayne of black superheroes Black Panther came first in what 1966 what comes next can we discern any tropes with uh, the genre of black heroes? Well, over the years, there have been a number of black superheroes with Marvel. You've had Luke Cage, Power Man. You also had the Falcon, who was um, one of Captain America's sidekicks. Probably the most popular of all the black superheroes is probably Storm from the X-Men. As well as those very popular sort of black characters, you had people like Miss Marvel. There was Bishop from the X-Men, Doctor Voodoo, who kind of starred with um, Doctor Strange. You had the Green Lantern. You had Static Shot. You had Sunspot from the New Mutants. War Machine, who will be in the next Avengers movie and was in the last few. But as well as that, you know, you've also had some some black villains like Black Mamba or Amanda Waller. They have been um, over the years. Amanda Waller, a villain? Yeah. You're being controversial, though. <laughs> well, I see her as a bit of a villain. And more importantly, a new black Spider-Man. Miles Morales. Yeah. So I think Marvel have definitely been engaging with the um, the diversity of its characters and trying to maybe be more reflective of the audience that go to cinemas to watch the movies that they make. For Black Panther to get his own standalone movie shows that they appreciate that the Marvel Universe in itself isn't as white as it, as, it, as it used to be. There are some tropes, aren't there, Wayne, though? So for a start-off, a lot of the, at least in the 70s and the 80s, a lot of the black heroes had the title Black in their title. So there is Black Lightning, Black Goliath, and, of course, Black Panther. And then, though this isn't universal, and definitely not in the case of the Black Panther, which I think is one of the reasons why 
so many people are excited to see it. Invariably, the black heroes are always street level, aren't they? So they're, they're always fighting the drug dealer and, and the gangs just around the corner, which is, and that is something that was writ large in Luke Cage, Power Man. Yes. You know, their neighborhood, their street level. And they deal with very kind of gritty and, dare I say, stereotypical in terms of the issues that they try and confront. Tell me I'm wrong. I'd say, in most part, you're absolutely right. That the blueprint has changed. Well, over the years, you saw cats like, like Storm, for example. Mm-hmm. Black Mutant, with uh, the ability to control the weather. She was doing very different stuff to say what Luke Cage was doing or the Falcon. But then, again, Sunspot uh, in the New Mutants. I think... More so in the 70s and the 80s, probably most of the black superhero characters, they were all on the street level. But then the Marvel Universe found a way to take its characters and make them more interstellar. For example, when we first saw the black Miss Marvel, she was travelling from planets fighting this interstellar war. So I think Marvel has shown that black characters can get out of Brooklyn and fight these larger menaces. And of course, uh, that rendition of Captain Marvel was from New Orleans, a kind of famous African-American city. Wayne, it's the time of the show, it's the point of the show, where you've got to wow me with your musical choice. Now, I know that you're a man that is good on the congas. You're a little bit of a musician. What have you chosen for us this week? Well, I've chosen a group. I'd say a little bit known group uh, called um, Moonchild. They create this beautiful chill neo soul sort of sound and the, the track in particular that i've chosen today is uh, it's called don't wake me and i remember first time i heard it um, i was uh, at a party and it came on and i thought to myself wow this track just embodies everything i love about neo soul and then when i looked further into it i realized that the person that was singing wasn't who i quite expected when you hear it i think you'll find that the sound is it's just beautifully melodic
So Wayne, you've basically said there's a little bit of a surprise with Moonchild. What is the surprise? Well, when I first heard the track, I automatically assumed that the singer was black. Lo and behold, she wasn't. She was a young white woman who had the voice or has the voice of an angel. It's kind of interesting that what you've done there is taken a genre which is classically um, associated with black people that are African-Americans or kind of black Brits. But actually, that song is delivered by an all-white band. And I suppose in a, in, in a funny way, what we're talking about today talking about comic books and heroes and the depiction of them is that the classic depiction of a hero in comics anyway for some 50 60 70 years has been a chiseled lantern jawed um, white guy blonde haired blue eyed you know the the all-american hero so to speak so it's a very interesting juxtaposition there mr campbell well done sir thank you (laughs) looking back at the origin story of many of these heroes and and again Black Panther we take that to one side but whether it is the Falcon or whether it is Black Lightning the new DC uh, TV series a lot of these heroes aren't just fighting on street level but invariably they're ex-convicts aren't they so even when those writers were originally writing this stuff in the 70s and trying to be different they couldn't escape the tropes of looking at black malehood as being somewhat kind of problematic so case in point luke cage the whole story is is that you know he's an ex-convict and he's been done wrong so to speak yeah no absolutely but then it's, it's interesting you should say that because at that time firestorm for example if not a criminal a, a kid with a, a challenging background most of the characters if they weren't criminals they came from maybe a dysfunctional background or they they had uh, issues at home or where they were working through their issues I don't think that is so much the case these days, but it definitely was more so in the 70s and 80s. I think there were a a whole kind of litany of of heroes who came from that, you know, the wrong side of the tracks, if you like. Absolutely. And even you look at somebody like Cyborg, who was in the new Justice League movie, even though he is from this um, solidly middle-class African-American family, he still had anger issues, yeah. didn't he? At least the cyborg from the comics. So he was—he uh, wanted to play football, but his dad didn't want him to. Um, he was a sports star. And then he was incredibly angry yeah. all the time. Yeah. Again, uh, a way of showing that even though there, there needs to be, or they wanted to show that there were black superheroes who were, um, who were doing things. I don't know how, if, if it worked to have, a black superhero who had just a regular existence, who, who who wasn't on the wrong side of the tracks, or who didn't have any issues, which social issues uh, that that meant that they were volatile in any way, or had some kind of dysfunctional, broken background. One of the exciting things about the, the new Black Panther movie is that this is an event for me really kind of quite touching things is the amount of kickstarters there actually are online with various charitable organizations um, getting money together to take black kids to go and see the movie because um, you know if if there is one um, one trope about black communities whether it's over here in the United States or, or in the UK is that generally socioeconomically they don't do that well 
to be able to take a whole group of uh, black kids to go and see this is actually a great thing. It's been one of the really kind of touching things, um, as I said before, about uh, the Black Panther movie being an event because what it's actually displaying is this very kind of aspirational view of black people and of black culture. And one thing which I wasn't really that aware of before, Wayne, was kind of Afrofuturism. To people like me that don't know an awful lot about it, could you explain what that even means? Unapologetically proud of being of being black, but I suppose in Watanga, and especially the way how that kind of utopian existence has been shown, it's um, a, a space where it's rich in culture. But not only is it rich in culture, it it, it has this technological boost which uh, sets it apart from from the Western world and everywhere else. But it doesn't lose any of its um, kind of heritage. You know, because it's one of the things that feels is completely and totally embedded within the fibre of, of the country. It really is refreshing to to see how and to see that it hasn't been diluted. If there's one thing that has always been there, in fact, and I'm not entirely sure if it was right from the beginning, but it was definitely written in later on, is that Watanga, in the middle of the African jungle, was technologically so far advanced from anywhere else that notwithstanding the fact that they could mine uh, vibranium the, the, the strongest metal outside of adamantium so the fact that, that the country has been shown to have this vibrant rich cultural heritage and was completely different to anything you see on any of those charitable adverts where people are starving and dying and living in mud huts. You know, it was it was so technologically advanced that it put everywhere else to shame. So that, for me, was such a powerful image. And, and I'm really glad it's one of the things that's managed to completely stay intact in the way that they've built up and they've shown Watanga in, in, in this movie. Wayne Campbell, thank you for coming on to Friday 15 and telling us that you can not only just have black heroes, but that the whole world of Afrofuturism is one that everyone, regardless of colour, can relate to. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and uh, to be able to sit down and wax lyrical about black characters and, and comics and, and all things superhero. So it, for me, it was When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I need to remind you that we are part of the Agora Podcast Network. It's a network of some 25 independently produced podcasts. So why don't you go to agorapodcastnetwork.com and um, go and search out a brand new podcast for your podcasting ears. This month, our podcast of the month is Beyond the Big Screen by Stephen Guerra. So if you want to know the true stories behind your favourite movies, the real facts and the background are often much more interesting and complex than you might think. Um, Stephen interviews people who are incredibly passionate about a specific film or a genre. There are great interviews 
So why don't you take a listen to Behind the Big Screen on a podcatcher of your choice. Sitting here in limbo Like a bird without a song One of only two living musicians who hold the Order of Merit, the highest honour that can be granted by the Jamaican government. This is Sitting in Limbo from the 1973 album The Harder They Come. Welshly Arms is an American blues rock band from Cleveland, Ohio. Influenced by Hendrix, The Temptations, Otis Reddings and Howling Wolf, this is the rather grand-sounding Legendary. And we couldn't want it anymore 
to leave it all on the floor Been dreaming of the payoff Through the struggles and the trade-offs Fighting truth, they'd nail on the way up Tell them the truth, but they think it's just made up And I think they got it all wrong We just gotta hold on And on and on and on Cause we're gonna be Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget, you can follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday15. You can also find us on Twitter, where you can follow me, where I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Now, every Thursday, you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15 iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me where I'm Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.